This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Well, welcome, FBC family, and everyone else who is joining in with us today. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we're, we're doing a series called A New Way of Life that's based on the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. And in these verses, in the, these opening verses of Matthew 7, Jesus is speaking to us on the subject, getting the beam out of your I. Let's look at it together. Matthew chapter 7 and verses 1 through 6. Jesus says, do not judge so that you won't be judged, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. Some of you can remember the golden days of radio. And you know, there were always certain DJs who when they would like two or three songs, I mean, they would just play those songs. It seemed like they just played them over and over and over. And those songs would be in such heavy rotation that you were kind of like, is he familiar with the fact that there are like a, a whole list of songs out there that he never plays? Well, listen, we can do the same thing when it comes to to sin. We can focus on certain scandalous sins. You know, it could be sexual sin. It could be drug or alcohol abuse or something while ignoring a whole list of other sins. Sins like anger, unthankfulness, pride, selfishness, impatience, irritability, envy, jealousy, stinginess, sins of the tongue, discontentment, lack of self-control, and a critical fault-finding spirit. Why don't those sins get more airplay? (laughs) Maybe because they hit too close to home. Well, Jesus here is talking about the last sin in that list that I just read, and that is having a critical, fault-finding spirit. So we're going to look at this in three parts today, and I'm going to use a little alliteration. We're going to talk about the foolishness of the fault-finder, and then the folly of the fault-finder, and then the first step of the fault-finder. First of all, the foolishness of the fault finder. Look with me at verse one. Jesus says, do not judge so that you won't be judged. Now, this is one of those verses that is so subject 
to misinterpretation and abuse. It's one of those verses that's kind of crept into our culture. You'll you'll hear it sometimes. Somebody will say, don't judge me. (laughs) Well, sometimes what they mean by that is, hey, I can live my life however I want to live it. Or sometimes you may hear somebody say, you know, who am I to judge? And sometimes what they mean by that is, hey, you know, right and wrong, it's all up to the individual, it's just kind of all up in the air, it's all up for grabs. Well, that is not what Jesus is saying here at all. What Jesus is talking about in these verses is having a a critical, fault-finding kind of a spirit. Being the kind of person who is quick to criticize, the kind of person who is always looking for the fault in others and are blind to their own fault. Now, that is not only sinful, but it is downright foolish. Look at what Jesus says here again in verses 1 and 2. He says, do not judge so that you won't be judged, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Yikes! (laughs) Do you really want God with his perfect, powerful perception to judge you on the basis of your own flaws and and, and foibles and and sins? (laughs) None of us could stand in, in that scenario. Do you want people to treat you that way? Well, then don't treat other people that way. One of the marks of a spirit-filled Christian is that spirit-filled Christians are more aware of their own sins and flaws than they are the sins and the flaws in other people. The great Christian writer G.K. Chesterton was once looking at the newspaper, and the editor had asked a question in the newspaper, and he was inviting readers to respond, and the question was, what's wrong with the world? And so people wrote in their various responses about what they thought was wrong with the world. And G.K. Chester just wrote back two words. I am. (laughs) What's wrong with the world? I am. Uh, One of the marks that we're really growing in Christ is that we're, we're aware of our own sins before the sins of other people. And not only is that kind of a critical fault-finding spirit incredibly damaging in our relationship with God, but in our relationship with others. It is not a recipe for healthy relationships, whether it's healthy friendships or healthy marriages or healthy parent-child relationships. You know, we're in this period where we're, we're, we're spending a lot of time around each other and the family and, and sometimes those, those tendencies to just uh, jump on one another uh, with, with quick criticism, those things can, can come out. Well, well, well listen, that's, that's not the way we want to be. You know, uh, uh, imagine what it would be like to be married to a spouse uh, who, who had the, the spiritual gift of criticism. Or, I'm, I'm joking about that. It, it's not a spiritual gift. It's the opposite, right? Or to, to be a, a child and, and, your, and your parent is just constantly looking for fault. 
Well, some of you might not have to imagine what that is like. Maybe you've lived what that's like and you don't want to repeat that pattern. You don't want to be that kind of a person. So how do we deal with this, with this tendency? Go to the cross. Go to the cross. Listen, if, if, if God were to, to, to judge us Based on our sins and our flaws, none of us could stand. Not a one of us could stand. Fortunately, he loved us so much that he gave his son to stand in our place at the cross. And so Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ also forgave you. Second, let's look at the folly of the fault finder. (laughs) I like sports. And sometimes they'll show kind of sports bloopers and follies, you know, the uh, the not the not top 10 on, on ESPN. Or, or it's, I'm noticing a lot of people these days, as people are spending a lot of time around their houses, a lot of families are making you know, crazy videos of, of follies that are going on around the, around the house. Jesus here just paints uh, a, a cartoonish image here in verses three and four. He used a lot of humor in his teaching and you can see it coming out here in these verses. Look at verses three and four. Jesus says, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? <laughs> or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look There's a beam of wood in your own eye. Between college and seminary, I was trying to save money for grad school. And so I worked for about a year in a lumber yard. And one of my main jobs that year was to feed beams of wood into a power saw. Now listen, given my level of inexperience with that, it is it is absolutely remarkable that I emerged from that year with 10 fingers. I'm, I'm serious. But one of the things that we had to do that, that year was we would wear special goggles to keep the sawdust out of our eyes. But, you know, inevitably, bits of it would, would get into your eye. Well, just imagine this scene of trying to look, peer into somebody else's eye and try to find that little tiny splinter, that little speck, and you've got a two by four that is protruding out of your own eye. It's a cartoonish scene. And yet we can so often tend to, to do that. A New Testament scholar, D.A. Carson, in commenting on verses three and four, says this, the situation depicted by this brief scenario occurs so frequently and so pathetically in professing Christian circles that the contrast between the speck of sawdust and a plank or log is not at all exaggerated. <laughs> you see, we can have 2020 vision when it comes to spotting the sins and the flaws of other people. And we can be so blind to our own sins. 
And so Jesus is saying here, before you take the magnifying glass out and you try to find the speck in somebody else's eye, look in the mirror and remove the beam from your own eye. And that brings us to the third part of this. The first step of the fault finder. What's the first step? Jesus tells us here in verse five, hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. The first thing that we need to do is that we need to look in the mirror and get into beam removal out of our own eyes. But notice here that Jesus does leave room for us to come along someone else in love and, and help them to see a sin in their life that they need to see. That is part of, of healthy Christian community. Because what does Jesus say? He says, first, take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. And so we, we do need to help one another. Proverbs tells us over and over again, faithful are the wounds of a friend. When, when somebody really loves you and cares about you and they see that there's an issue in your life and they come alongside you with a humble, loving spirit to point out that sin and they do it in love, they do it to help you, that's a, that's a good thing. That's something that we should receive in humility but it's also something that should be done in humility. Galatians chapter six and verse one says this, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Now verse six here is very, very interesting because at first, you, you wonder, how does verse 6 relate to verses 1 through 5? But I think it does relate, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Let's look at it. Jesus says, don't give what is holy to dogs, or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, turn, and tear you to pieces. Now, Jesus here gives another graphic image, doesn't he? Imagine that you've got a, a pouch of precious pearls, just incredibly valuable. And you find yourself surrounded by a pack of wild, mangy dogs, and they are just growling or, and snarling. Or maybe you find yourself surrounded by a, a herd of, of wild pigs, a herd of, of, of boars, and they're just uh, uh, grunting and, uh, and drooling. And you take those precious pearls and you just pour them out on the ground before those wild pigs and they just immediately uh, put their mouths on them and, and, try to, and try to chew them up. But then they realize that they're not edible and they can't chew them. And so they spit them out and they turn to something that they can chew on, namely you. <laughs> well, how does this 
relate to what Jesus is saying. This is, by the way, this is where we get the expression, don't cast your pearls before swine. How does, how does this relate to what Jesus has been saying? Well, I think it relates in this way. I think Jesus is saying here that there are some people who are just so toxic and who are just, they're constantly causing trouble in any group of people, you know, that they're a, a part of. It could be a team at work, or it could be in the church, or, or whatever. He's mainly talking here about the, the church. And, and, and these people are so self-righteously blind to their own sins. They're constantly just blowing up relationships and constantly just, you know, negative, criticizing this and, and, and that. Jesus is saying here, look, you cannot, you cannot afford to, to, to waste your energy on people like that because there are too many people who are out there who are eager to grow in Christ and they need you. They need your energy. They need your time. There are too many people out there who need to hear the gospel and you need to be sharing the gospel with them that you cannot afford just to to have your time and your energy just drained uh, by people who are just toxically Critical. Uh, again, I think D.A. Carson uh, is very, very wise when he says Jesus is commanding his disciples not to share the richest parts of spiritual truth with persons who are persistently vicious, irresponsible, and unappreciative. Now, let's kind of tie what we've been talking about uh, together here. We think about this sin of being quick to criticize, having a fault-finding spirit. Listen, this is one of those sins where the potential for self-deception is huge because we can so easily be like the Pharisee and the story that Jesus told about the Pharisee and the tax collector, you know, where the Pharisee stands before God and he says, oh God, I thank you that I'm not like all these sinful people out there and I'm not like this tax collector over here. We can so easily be like that with this sin. We can, we can be like, oh God, I, I thank you. Thank you that I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a critical, fault-finding kind of a person. Thank you so much that, that I'm not like that. Listen, here's the truth of the matter. Because of our sin nature and our pride, which is at the heart of our sin nature, all of us can so easily, easily lapse into being critical, fault-finding jerks. (laughs) That's just the truth of the matter. So how do we get freedom from that sin? Listen, ask the Holy Spirit to convict you of your own sins and how God has treated you Again, go to the cross. One of the, the way, one of the primary ways that we can remove the beam from our own eyes is by looking at the beams of the cross of Christ. Because listen, if any of us got what we deserved, if God treated us in the way that we really deserve to be treated, then 
all we would get would be doom and judgment. But instead, God loved us so much that he gave his own son who took the judgment that we deserved on himself and died for us and rose from the dead so that we can have forgiveness and so that we can have eternal life. Listen, go to the cross. Think about the amazing grace of God. John Newton had it right. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Meditate on the amazing grace of God that you've received in Christ and you'll be able to treat other people with grace. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the amazing grace that we have received in the gospel. And we pray that you would enable us to go forth and to treat other people the way that you have treated us with grace. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.